From Medical Media, this is The Author Show. Hello world, Dr. Scott Sigmund, your favorite opioid-sparing orthopedic surgeon here for another episode of the Ortho Show podcast, where we bring you the best of the best in the orthopedic space. We've been all over the map lately. We've had some orthopedic surgeons on, but today's episode, what we're going to do is, is focus on giving back to our listeners. We're bringing in Omar Khatib, who's a marketing guru. He's the head of growth uh, for Gentem Health. He is my Turkish brother of another mother. He is, in, in his quotes and his tagline, is helping private practices maintain independence. Omar, how are you, my brother? Afro, the man, the myth, the legend. It's always a pleasure. The people asked for another episode of you and I, and you know what? Damn it, we're going to give the people exactly, exactly what they want. So it's good to be back. Great to see you. Oh, I love partnering with you. I mean, it's 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 great, you know, as a fellow podcaster, and you have this this large scope of listeners, and so do we, and there's a lot of crossover between the two. And so really what I really wanted to focus on today, if we could, and we'll get there in a minute, is is to really try and provide some counsel to our listeners as to how they can improve their practice patterns and get more patients and develop more revenue and and have less headaches and all that kind of good stuff. But before we get there, uh, I want to talk a little bit about you to give some background to our listeners so they so they know who you are. So uh, you, you're you're a Texas uh, boy, and basically you, you spent and got your undergrad time at uh, Texas El Paso. And then there's something that, that's going on here that I really want to talk about because it's all over your LinkedIn page. It's one of your top lines, which is you got a full scholarship to go to Texas Tech School of Medicine in the in the inaugural class, uh, and you went through the process. And then uh, after a period of time, you dropped out. So it's uh, there's got to be a cool story in there for our listeners. Tell us about that. <laughs> yeah, totally. So like, as you mentioned, I'm from Texas, first generation American. Dad's from Iraq. My mother is Turkish. And, uh, you know, being the firstborn eldest and the son, you know, I admired my father. He was a surgeon, general surgeon. And so I wanted to go to medical school. Um, and, you know, it's one of those things that you, you everyone encourages you to do. Right. So you don't take a second to say, like, is this really what I want to do? Or are there parts of being a doctor that I like? And so in medical school, um, I realized the parts of being a doctor that I loved uh, were, you know, around technology, around leadership, entrepreneurship, those kind of things. Because my father was an entrepreneur, you know, owned his pro- own practice for like over 35 years. And I just saw myself doing other things, you know. And so because of that, about halfway through into medical school, you know, I sat down with my father. I told him what was going on with me. I wasn't, you know, doing quite well. I was, you know, pretty down as as well. And he, I'll never forget how supportive he was. Again, this guy's a surgeon and, and I'm his eldest son. And he's like, hey, you know, it's not going to get any easier if you see yourself doing other things. I fully support you. And so I left, um, which was really great. Um, and of course, like the scholarship uh, helped because I didn't leave with any debt. Um, and then I launched my career first in sales and then marketing in high tech medical technology. So I did uh, started out in orthopedic spine. I was part of Missouri Robotics. So uh, first robotic spine company went into aesthetics. So first robotic hair restoration. I did actually do that. That's a weird world. I'm not going to lie. The aesthetic yeah, well, world is strange. I, I, obviously, I, I wouldn't know anything about that. So you do not need any help there. Like if anything, <laughs> you you should, you know, science, you need to give your scalp to science to study it, to figure out how do we replicate that kind of a main. <laughs> yeah, it, it, was like, it was like Einstein's brain, same kind of thing. But I, I think that's a great idea. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And then, you know, most recently I'm I'm head of growth for Gentem Health. Uh, Gentem is a uh 
really fantastic company. It's a software company that was founded by a Stanford-educated physician and a former Facebook software engineer. And their whole thing is that it doesn't make any sense that private medical practices are the only businesses in, in America where they don't know when they're going to get paid or how much. And so we built a, a software as well as a service to help that helps private practices simplify, accelerate, and maximize their reimbursement and really take the whole revenue cycle and billing process and optimize it with data so that way you see your cash flow increasing, your reimbursements are getting better, and then you're actually running a viable business. That's what it takes to be independent because the old school way of doing medicine is like, hey, I'm just going to have to work harder. And the game, unfortunately, is not rigged in the favor of docs. And so my whole career and passion is helping helping doctors, you know, take new technologies to market for patients and also increase their revenue and practice. Because my bias is that medicine is better and healthcare is better in the doctor's office and not in these larger hospital systems. They, yeah. Hospital systems serve a purpose, yep. but it shouldn't be all, all just, you know, only that there should be. God, uh, God knows, man, we need the help. I mean, it does, I can't pick up a Becker's report these days without hearing some more bad news about seriously reimbursement or attitudes or, People I mean, going to jail. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. No, this is really like unsettled times for the foundation of medicine at this point is the best way I can describe it. You know, I've been doing this for 25 years and I would say for the first, you know, 15 years, it was just all status quo, man. We were just running. Everybody knew the rules. Everybody was hanging out. It was all good. But really in the last five years, it's really accelerated where reimbursements going down. We're expected to do more. Then you have this terrible pandemic and, you know, revenue drops off the cliff and we're supposed to be recession proof and practices are closing and everybody's looking around like, what am I supposed to do here? And so people need help. So it's great to have someone like yourself, Omar, around that's going to be able to guide our, our listeners today in particular. We'll talk about Gentem at the end, which I, I really like. I, I would use two words to describe Gentem, and that's user friendly. And I think that's a really major point for, for docs when it comes to being able to file reimbursement and, and their billing patterns. But, you know, we work together on a number of projects. And, and one of the things that I admire most about you, Omar, is that the, the, the lines of responsibility and who's doing what are all blurred. It's like, it's this new way of doing things. It's like, I'm not signing a contract with you so you can perform these duties for me. It's more like, you've got a lot to offer. I've got a lot to offer. We can share thoughts and ideas and help spread both of our causes in a way in which I'm not really, you know, wasn't really used to doing. So it's kudos to you. I really like that. And you go across a tremendous number of mediums to be able to do that, Thank whether you. it's the YouTube or LinkedIn, you know, Instagram or, or the videos and all the things that you do. So, so I love it. And what I want to do is spend some time for our listeners today. And I want you to walk through some of the principles, some of the ideas from, from, and, and the categories of how you do things so that we can help our listeners. Absolutely. Absolutely. Look, a rising tide raises all boats. And before you get into it, just for those who don't make it to the end, we do have a special uh, offer just for your listeners. Um, you know, my big thing is that if you, if, if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. And so data is super important. A lot of docs don't know their numbers when it comes to their revenue reimbursements. Um, Usually this is, this is something that costs about five grand to do, but we've seen so much value and, and really inspired by the response by practices we're offering free. So your listeners can get a free billing and revenue analysis from our team at Gentem. Um, again, $5,000 value. Plus, once they go through it, they can get one CME credit from it. Thanks to our friends over at DapTrack. So all they got to do is go to gentem.com forward slash ortho show, submit their information. 
our biggest thing, of course, we would love for people to become a customer, but a lot of practices get this data on where they're losing money, where they can fit, you know, uh, avoid preventable, uh, avoid denials, all these things, and at least go and make the changes needed, whether they become a customer or not. And again, goes back to our mission of helping practices stay independent. So that's for your listeners. Now that aside, I'll leave a link for you guys later. Let's get right into it and talk about like what these practices can do to drive revenue, increase reimbursements. Yeah. So, so absolutely. First, first and foremost, data does not lie, right? Data is completely transparent and you may think you're doing one thing, but when you actually read between the lines and see it for yourself, the other thing I want to say is that I'm not sure if this is the case or not, but I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that the ortho show podcast may be one of the first podcasts to offer CME credit as well. So it is. Go to our website with AdapTrack, to our guys at AdapTrack. You can pick up CME credits just by listening to the Ortho Show podcast. How cool is that? All right, where do you want to start, man? What do you want to go with? Well, you know what? Let's start with the first first part, which is before a patient even comes in, right? So what do you do as a, as a, as a physician? If you pay attention to the market, the most popular topic is other right? The most popular drink is other. Most popular mover is other. The point is that there's this long tail that things are becoming more and more specialized, right? We saw this with general surgeons, like, you know, back in the day, my dad used to do all kinds of procedures, but as the market changed, people are looking for specialists. So even with orthopedic surgeons, right? You do a a variety of different procedures. You got to find a way to be known for something, you know? And again, this goes back to looking at your data, look at your data and see the kind of procedures that you're doing and figure out not only what you're making the most money from, but more importantly, what are you getting reimbursed the most on and the fastest and mo- and what's the most predictable thing? Because a lot of times that may not be your number one procedure. You might think that your number one procedure is doing X, Y, and Z. But if you look at the data, you realize, you know what, this fourth procedure, I don't do a lot of, but not a lot of people do it. I'm getting reimbursed the most on it. I'm getting reimbursed the fastest on it. I should focus on that. So really figuring out and picking something for you to be known for. For example, look, Dr. Simi, I know for a fact you do a lot of different procedures, but your big thing or your uh, brand is focused focused around opioid sparing treatments. Is that correct? That's correct. So focusing on, let's say your catchment area, 20 to 50 miles around your office, right? And focusing on educating local businesses. So other practices that can refer to you and the public on something, for example, let's say you do in-office kyphoplasties, right? So really focusing some blogs around that, run some ads around that, really be known for that, right? Because then people, when they have an issue regarding, let's say, their back, they're going to know you for that one thing versus trying to market yourself for a variety of different things, right? Being able to focus is really important because you will get referrals for other procedures, but you got to pick something where you want to be the known brand for that's the first thing. So I, I love that. So, so you're going to be laser focused. You're going to identify something. You're, this is unconventional compared to what, what we've always been taught in medicine, which is sit back, don't advertise, and wait for your primary care doctors to send you patients. You're going to be proactive. You're going to be selective through, through a, a process. And then you're going to figure out a way to get that message out through the, through the techniques that you've talked about. Great messaging. I love it. Exactly. And look, a lot of doctors, look, I, I haven't met very many, I think maybe a handful that are actually good at marketing. Get a local marketing agency to help you with these kind of things because you don't have time to do this. The other thing is very simply, look, if you have some referring practices, provide them some materials. Go to them and say, hey, if you have a patient with 
this kind of, uh, of clinical uh, uh, presentation, right? It's likely going to be this. Here's some materials with your brand on it, right? Hand it to the patient because then the patient can be referred to you, right? Help the primary care doctors become specialists to understand like, okay, what am I looking for? And once I find it, okay, I know to refer them over to you. Don't just kind of leave it up to chance. Plus, patient education events are really valuable, right? Because you can do a patient education event and get a lot of exposure. And maybe a patient doesn't come into you today. They might come in a few months. Now that you have Zoom, you can do a patient education webinar once a week for one hour and just have it, you know, uh, constantly marketing, marketing and rotating, right? You have to spend some time doing this because it's not going to happen by accident, right? So, so Omar, let's be specific about this. So let's help out. So how are you going to let people know that you're going to do this Zoom thing? Who helps you do that? Great question. So for one, you got to market it on, you know, on your practice website. You should, you should do a few posts about it. You know, you can have, have a post once a week when you're about to do it. And then also send this invitation out to other referring practices and say, hey, if you have a patient, right, and they need this, he, I'm, I'm doing this, let's say, forget once a week even, let's just say once a month. Once a month, I'm going to do this on the same date every single month, right? The 15th of every month, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about uh, patients with back pain and who, are, who might be uh, candidates for, for, for kyphoplasty. You know, that's, that's what you should do. So that's, that's, that's tangible advice. This is real stuff that you can do. Uh, and, you know, it, it's okay to, to be able to, to set yourself apart. I was on, on a call today with a, a, an exceptionally established orthopedic surgeon who had to pull in a couple of his younger orthopedic surgeons and let them know that they were having to be, to let go. And, and the, re- and the reason was, is that they were just having a very difficult time building a practice and the partnership pattern may be upwards of five to seven years, which is just not acceptable for young, for young docs. So listen, you know, it's okay to join a practice, right? And you're hoping that the practice is going to feed you. It's in their best interest. But at the end of the day, learn how to feed yourself, right? And become the unique individuals. This is great advice, Omar. I love it. So so what else we got? Yeah. And look, you know, on the side of like content, right? Because people don't know what to do. For, if you look on Instagram, there's a great, uh, actually, he's a classmate of mine, uh, Donnelly Spine Consult. Right. And he does Instagram posts where he looks, you know, certain things that happen in sports, if it's like spine related, he does a little post explaining like what could happen and how do you fix it. Right. You have to be consistent about these things, because, again, just like marketing, look, Apple's one of the biggest brands on planet Earth. They still market their products for a reason so that when you have a problem that Apple can solve, Apple's the number one choice. Right. So you have to you have to be proactive. And the good thing about orthopedic surgeons is that. They're extremely proactive about things. They're very competitive. It's no, you know, not a surprise to me that Becker's released this uh, hilarious uh, survey where it showed um, uh, who is most and least satisfied with their salary. And orthopedic surgeons were like number 18. I'm like, yeah, of course. I was like, orthopods are never satisfied. They're always trying to go for more, which is great. But when it comes to building your own practice, especially as a junior partner, it's not going to happen by accident. And people aren't just going to say, oh, yeah, this nice kid who just joined his practice. Let me send them some 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 referrals not going to happen that way plus for those uh orthopod orthopedic surgeons who own their own practices you know you have to have a very clear database and platform where you can actually look and see like how much is each partner bringing in per month per quarter per year because otherwise like how are you going to decide who makes partner like you know it's it becomes more subjective than objectively driven 
Yeah, no, I think that's, uh, again, you know, it's great advice. So we, we also want to, you know, look, we're still healers, but, you know, we, we have bills to pay too. And you need to be able to be, you know, you know, reticent about, about the idea of making sure that you're generating income and being able to pay the bills as well. So all of that's important. So, so what's, what's our next step? Next step is like, let's talk about what happens in the actual office, right? Because a lot of us forget, especially in medicine, that this is a business. You know, uh, Dr. Sandy White, who has a, a great uh, 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 website, uh, the Practice Building MD, she talks about this all the, time, all the time. You have to just come to terms that medicine's a business, which means, let's say you're, you know, I'm going to speak to those solo practitioners out there. When was the last time you left your office and went and sat in the waiting room? And just observe it, right? What magazines do you have there? Like, what's the environment like? What's the workflow and process from when a patient comes and checks in, right? Because there's a lot of really stupid, and I hate to say it, just, there's no other way to say it, stupid things that are done in doctor's offices. For example, announcing a name by uh, a patient by first and last name. What if that person is well-known, right? Very stupid thing. So only do it, you know, instruct your staff, hey, Here's the process. When someone checks in, you, you, you greet them, call them by their first name, and that is it, right? When you weigh a patient, is the scale in a, in a private area or is it out in front of everybody, right? There's these things that you have to take in, into account when a, for a customer experience side. The other side of it, again, when a patient, you know, your, your sale starts from the moment the patient contacts you through your website. They call your office. What's your front desk? going to say like, what is the actual script, right? When they check for, let's say eligibility, are they using a real-time eligibility check to let the patient know like, Hey, these are the benefits. This is what you're expected to pay when you come in here and not surprising them. And once they're in, do you actually have a policy in place? Where it's like, Hey, please give us, we have a credit card policy. We need a credit card on file so that they pay. Everything is clear. And they're not arguing with your staff because at that point, and again, no, no offense to front office staff, they're not trained to do these things and improv. And a lot of doctors do that. It's just like the front staff decides like, here's how I'm going to handle this pissed off patient when they don't want to pay this $20 copay. And it's like, we'll let it go. Those things add up. Yeah. And I love how you describe the patient and customer experience from the moment they call, uh, because, you know, it, it all does matter. And and in particular, I, I received a one-star Google review about three months ago from a patient that came in, uh, and I, I guess she came in early for her appointment time, uh, and it was she was supposed to be scheduled at two, but she came in for ten. And my staff asked her to come back because we were busy, uh, and so I got a one-star Google review from a patient that I'd never had a single interaction with. Yeah, and that's it, and it's on there forever. You can't take it off. <laughs> And no. let's, let's talk about that. And, you know, my, my thing is I'm a student and, and practitioner of persuasion, of course, as a marketer. So here's a simple persuasion trick, because the thing is that most people who are going to review, leave reviews for you are either they had like the most in, in unbelievably fantastic experience or terrible. There's no in between. So as a physician, you and your staff have to proactively persuade the patients to leave you reviews. And here's a simple way to do it, right? One is telling them, telling the person who you, you, who you want them to be is actually persuasive. So let's say you have a great interaction with a patient and say, hey, I just want to let you know, you are a great patient. You were very respectful to me and my, my staff. We were, you were easy to work with. I'm glad you love the results you're getting. All of my great patients 
leave a nice review for me. It helps my practice a lot. It would help me a lot. It would mean a lot if you could do the same. Asking them for help, telling them they're a great patient, and telling what great patients do is persuasive. You have to do this, right? And I would even encourage, like, you have their cell phone, you have their email. Your staff should work with, again, having a marketing partner helps to have an automated message and email sent out to remind them to do this, right? Because these things matter. Look, I'm in marketing. I know how this works. I was trying to pick a doctor the other day. I didn't pick one just because they had three and a half stars and one had four. Like, what's the difference between half a star? I have no idea. But subconsciously, I went with the four stars, <laughs> right? You no, but it's all real. And, and one of the other the things that I like to say to the patients, too, is that, look, you've had this, this really remarkable experience and you've really you know, healed so well. It would be really nice for you to be able to explain your experience so that other patients can benefit from that as well. And so now they're paying it forwards as well. They're not just doing it because they liked you as a doc or they had a good result, but I'm going to be a part of the process and be helpful to have other patients do it. And there are services. I actually use doctor.com. So, you know, Google, Google reviews are tough, right? I mean, Google mm-hmm. reviews, you have to have a Gmail account which I'm not sure why they make it so difficult, but you have to have a Gmail account to be even do a, to do a Google review. So thank God for, for the pandemic because the QR code was otherwise dead, but it's back now because of the pandemic. So we have a little QR code and they can actually go and do the review or we even have a tablet in the office as well. So for vitals and health grades, if the patient's really, you know, really happy to do it, they'll do the review on site uh, mm-hmm. in a privacy place. I'm not in front of them, obviously, but that allows them to get it done. And, and then you're really picking up even more good reviews because the the take home, you know, the percentage of people that actually do it at home that that uh, it is pretty low. So, but all of those things are exactly right. I think that patients are so much more savvy. I mean, they do look at your reviews. They, it's it's not like it was five, ten years ago. Not so much. Nobody cared. I didn't even look at my reviews five, ten years ago. But now I'm actively, you know, pursuing and hoping that my reviews are positive so that patients will come and see us. Absolutely. And look. I'm I'm a big believer in systems, meaning things that can be leveraged for different reasons. So for one, and doc, you know, a lot of doctors don't like when I say this, but I'm like, hey, tough. Like this is this is how the rules are. I don't make this up. You want to increase the chances this happens, tell a patient or have an email sent out and say, hey, if you go leave me a Google review and take a screenshot and send it to me, we'll send you digitally a $25 Amazon gift card. If you do one on our Facebook page, another $25 Amazon gift card. So you can get three reviews. You pay $75 total for that. And guess what you have aside from the reviews? Whoever you have doing marketing can take a little screenshot or use something free like canva.com to just design something. This is what patient, you know, this patient said, like Dr. Sigmund was the best orthopedic surgeon I've ever met. And I recommended everybody. And now you have that to run as ads. Right. And, do, you know, you can and you spend pennies on the dollar to proliferate that so that everybody in your 50 mile radius is like Dr. Sigmund is the best orthopedic surgeon. He does a really good job at X, Y, Z. So that when they or a family member have an issue, it's like, oh, yeah, we'll go. We'll go to this person. Right. Dentists, they know how to do this really well. But surgeons and doctors, they don't think of it like this because they've never had to think about the quote unquote business of medicine. Back in the good old days, you just open a practice Go introduce yourself to a few people around and, hey, you got you got business. It's not like that anymore. You're no, competing with multi-billion dollar corporations. You're, you're absolutely right. If there's one leg up for the younger docs that are out there, I can assure you a lot of the older docs are not doing this. And when I say older docs, 
I'm even talking doctors that are 10 or 15 years into practice. They, uh-huh. they just, they, they just missed the boat. They don't, they don't want to be a part of it. So the younger guys that are out there that are really looking to separate yourself, I think these are really quality ideas that, that Omar is bringing about. So, all right, what else we got? What's next? So I want to, the other thing is revenue streams. I want to specifically talk about cash based, uh, uh, businesses. So, you know, you and I, we did a, a, a great webinar on orthopreneurship a couple of months back, specifically around ortho laser. And I think physicians, let's just use orthopedic surgeons in this case, need to evaluate those kind of opportunities. So for those who are not familiar, ortho laser is an opioid sparing uh, procedure. It's laser based. It's clinically backed. Right. And it's a cash based uh, procedure. So far, did I did I do it justice, Dr. Sick? Yes, you're doing great. Keep OK, it up. so you have to look at, OK. These are, this is where my, our bread and butter is as a practice. Are we referring money out somewhere else, right? So that's where I think, you know, the, the obvious things is some orthopedic surgeons started including like physical therapy in their practice. Okay, that's smart. The other thing is that people are going to have pain and we have a huge opioid epidemic here in the United States and people are really afraid about, about this, right? So getting together with, again, you go, you, partnerships work. You see this in tech all the time. Doctors should do this as well. So get together with other orthopedic surgeons, maybe even pain, uh, pain management people and say, hey, let's invest in an ortho laser center, right? We will refer our patients there. It's cash-based, clinically backed. The results are great, right? And now you've just added a new uh, a stream of revenue to you because what you should not do is fully invest or rely on one source of income. It's very, very dangerous, right? Because if something changes, right, like everything is tied up on that. And, and just kind of like an adjacent to that, I can't tell you, Dr. Sigmund, how it just drives me nuts. There's so many doctors out there. If I ask them, hey, what does your contract say and what's your fee schedule? They don't know. They don't even know where to find it. You, you have to know this because unpopular opinion, all these payers, these insurance companies, they're not bad people. It's just, it's a business. It's not good or bad. A lot of them are publicly traded. So they have a, uh, a fiduciary responsibility to investors. So if they find a way to increase revenue, they're going to do it, which means if Dr. Smith doesn't check their fee schedules and contracts and the insurance company can pay 5% less than they should, they're going to do that until you say something. Yeah. So that's, that's good advice. You really need to know what you've signed and what's available. You know, it's one of my pet peeves, you know, a lot of doctors are like, well, you know, I'm not comfortable asking, you know, patients to do anything where they have to pay out of pocket. Well, those days are gone. I mean, the difference between a $10 and a $20 copay as to what doctor you were going to, that, that's gone away. These are all high deductible, you know, copays and plans. So people are used to paying out of pocket for, for things. So, you know, for example, it doesn't have to just be ortho laser, but you might set up like an orthobiologics clinic, for example, which is going to generate revenue, which again is clinically based, has has the appropriate indications, which has a good safety profile. As long as you are are, are legal in your description as far as off-label use for many of these products, then you can certainly allow. Uh, that's another revenue revenue stream that people can come up with. And and again, the other thing I say to the doctors, it's like you're not fooling anybody. You know, if you operate on somebody, you're getting paid, right? I mean, you just are. That's how it is. And some of that money is coming from the insurance company, which either the patient or their employer paid for. Uh, but some of that money is also coming from the patient as well. And so that's what's happening at this world. So so coming up with strategies and ideas to potentially increase revenue for your practice 
and provide alternative options for your patients that are not available under their insurance plan is kosher. This is a good thing that you're doing, and it's a win for all of the people that are involved. Absolutely. And, you know, something, a specific area also I want to, I want to cover, and this is very controversial, but I'm going to give your audience some very specific questions they can ask their biller. And if they don't get answers to this, it's, it's a, it's a huge red flag. First of all, of all the specialties, orthopedics is actually in the top five when it comes to specialties who have the highest percentage of claims that are denied, right? That's the big thing. And of those denied claims, 63% of them are actually recoverable, right? But a lot of times you don't know, right? Preventable uh, denials is a huge issue. And so there's a lot of good billers out there. They like, you know, small regional ones. You know, I know that some people have internal billers, right? The problem is that a lot of them do not have access to data backed technologies and automations. Look, I work for a tech company that focuses on this. It is not easy. Right. There's a lot of investment that goes into it. And so we do have billers, internal billers who use our software, right? If you go to your biller and ask them any of these four questions and they don't know or they have not told you this, this is a huge red flag. Okay. Okay, let's get them out. I want these people the, to write this down. These are the four questions. How much is in our accounts receivable? What's the average time for things in accounts receivable? What's your what's our charge lag? And what's our net collections rate? And the reason why, if you don't know this, or they don't know this, and they don't get this information to you, it's probably because the data is not good. Because if they're doing a really good job, they're going to bring this to you and say, hey, like, we're killing it for you. Look at how what small percentage of, of your uh, uh, reimbursements are in, like, let's say, over 90 days, right? Look at our charge. Like, they will show you this data, right? And I, I'll tell you, like, when we do this billing analysis, we, we try and get this information for the doctor. The moment that a biller is not giving us this information, there's a huge red flag. That's a problem, right? And a lot of times when the doctor gets, the, gets this data, it's in a weird spreadsheet. They don't even know what they're looking at, right? No, I, I think you're spot on. And, and again, I mean, you, you dropped in that you, you guys would do the review uh, for these practices as part of what we're doing here. And as you always talk about, the business side of medicine it comes naturally for some, but for others, it doesn't. And within a practice, some people are actively involved and some people aren't. One of the other things that we're seeing a lot of now within private practice, if, if you're remaining independent, is to hire a CEO, someone that's going to come in and truly run the business side of the practice that can make sure that all of these things are covered. So their their cost is absorbed, hopefully, by increased value and then uh, increased profits by being able to mainstream all these things like your standard operating procedures that you're discussing as well. So a lot of nuance that's happening in the business of medicine at this time. Absolutely. And I think a good part of it is, you know, if you get access, you know, you start asking better questions and you're trying to get to the root, you know, root cause or the source of truth, then you're able to make better decisions. You know, one other uh, uh, interesting uh, thing our engineering team actually put together that your audience can check out. If you go to gentem.com forward slash lost revenue, we made a calculator there where you just plug in some of your monthly and quarterly numbers and it'll spit out some inefficiencies you have and where you might be losing revenue. So first, when you go to that page, if you don't have that information, you have to ask yourself, why do we not have this information and how do we change it so that we're reviewing this kind of information, these numbers on a weekly, monthly, quarterly basis? That's question number one. Question number two is when you fill out this calculation, 
and you see the results that come out, the next question is, how do we fix this stuff, right? Those are the questions you have to start asking. And, and nobody likes this stuff. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's a pain. I'm not going to lie. But you know what feels really good when you're running a viable business and you actually know that you're making informed, data-driven decisions that are going to actually scale things out. This whole notion, and surgeons are classic with this, the notion of I'm just going to work harder is not going to work. It doesn't work anymore. You, you know, Can't do it. It's, it's, it's almost impossible for mature practice for, for you to be able to see any more patients and, and, and do any more surgeries. I think one of the messages that I've heard for, from you today, Omar, loud and clear is that you don't know what you don't know, and it's time for you to figure out and, and know stuff. And so you need to know what's happening in your practice so that you can, if you can't figure it out yourself, then be able to provide the data to someone who can. And there's a lot of help that's out there at this point to help all of these practices become more focused, more data-driven, uh, and hopefully you know, more successful uh, as well. I mean, Omar, this is great. I mean, we're we're running up against time here. You know, we I love your message. I love that on on certain occasions we step away from just telling a story and try and give back uh, to our listeners. I think you've done an amazing job uh, doing that. So one more time for the listeners, so they can figure out where you are and what you're doing. Give us a little short blurb as to to how they can find you. Yeah, absolutely. For me, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. Just look up my name. And I'll, I'll share with uh, with you, uh, Dr. Skimit. It's Omar M. Khatib. Very easy to find me. Um, my uh, The company I'm with is gentem.com, G-E-N-T-E-M.com. And again, go to gentem.com forward slash ortho show. That billing analysis and revenue analysis is worth its weight in gold. Plus, you get to see me credit out of it. Take that analysis and use it. I mean, look, we would love to have you as a, as a customer, but at the very least, you at least have a report that you can go back to your team and say, hey, let's make changes here, right? That's that's the most important thing I would say. Yeah, I hope everybody really listens, listens hard. Listen twice to this episode. Take out a pen and paper. There's some real tangible pearls that are here that can really help your practice uh, to improve. This is Dr. Scott Sigmund, hashtag follow the fro, host of the Ortho Show. Until next time. 